You want to be hardcore, you want to be extreme. Well, if you're like the Sandman, then you're listening to the podcast Drunk Wrestling History, dudes. And please be drunk when you hear it. It's a drunk podcast. I can rim like a motherfucker. You already saw my Sullivan in San Diego. He got a golden shower. Bundy just fucking cream pied Albano. I've been drunk. I've never been cum drunk. Woo! Drunk Marks, Drunk Marquettes, and Jabronis alike. This is Drunk Wrestling History. I'm your host, Adam. I'm going to add some class to this episode. And like every show... We got the result of that Iron Maiden skeleton and a Taco Bell Chihuahua checking into the Smackdown Hotel, doing what their monkey asses would do with hot sauce and pairs of exposed testicles. And instead of having a Baja Blast moment, they crapped out two drunk wrestling historians. (laughs) This is Eddie. Let us drink till thine asses are drunk. How in the fuck do I follow that? This is Scott. Win if you can, lose if you must, but always drink. It was in context with the show. I wow. Yeah. Excellent. Wow. That's or all I can say. Was, was that a preemptive uh, taste of the next roast, whoever it is? <laughs> oh, that would be great <laughs> if The Rock roasted someone. <laughs> you know, maybe we need to change who the next roast is going to be. Um, <laughs> so The Rock would make sense as a person to be on the panel. Yeah. So Deus, if you will. As as of right now, we have an idea of who it likely will be, but we're not totally locked in. Yeah, no, not yet. We're not, and we're still not even committed to it. But that's a, cro- a bridge to cross. Diesel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we might. I already roasted Paul Walker on the first one. Jesus. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to our show. We hope uh, you have a nice cold one at hand for our pay-per-view review. And also head over to whatamaneuver.net so you get those Drunk Wrestling History t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, onesies for miniature Drunk Marks, Drunk Marquettes. That is whatamaneuver.net. Buy a fucking shirt. Is a dog whining? Do I hear a dog? I hear a dog. Is that your dog? The cat just walked into the room, and she won't shut the fuck up. Oh, it's a cat. Hold on. Yeah, let me throw this cat out. Hold on. Actual, <laughs> actual cat or Jerry Lawler? No, Lawler's an actual cat. cat. Oh, yeah, I, I wasn't I, I, sure. I, I wasn't sure because my back door is open and there. I have like everyone around me has a dog. Well, the one dude has chickens. But um, I was like, is that a dog outside my house? Is that in one of your... I know it's not a dog in your house, Adam. So I was like, it's either Scott or me, but I couldn't... You know, in the headphones, I couldn't tell where, where it was coming from. No, do you hear... Like, she won't stop. Hold on. I need to get rid of this cat. Hold on. They're the fucking worst, dude. They got like pussy throwing itself at me. Hold on. <laughs> That's the first time for everything. If, if only I could have that happen to me. Damn. <laughs> it also makes me wonder, do we have to make a shirt, like a drunk wrestling history shirt that says buy a fucking shirt? Is that what is that what the listeners want? That would actually be hilarious. Put that on the back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Peyton came in and got her like almost on cue. I was just about to open the door and Peyton came walking in to get the cat. Perfect. Peyton Perfect. saves the yeah. day. There Peyton we go. saved the day. All right. I, I let her have a drink. <laughs> the cat, not Peyton. <laughs> Speaking of, what do you guys Peyton have to drink? Peyton already had enough. 
<laughs> yeah, she's had way too many. Um, I've had like the most bizarre day, and I don't really want to get too much into it. It's just been crazy. We're rec- we, it's one thirty right now. We've never recorded this early in the day. Originally, you guys were going to come over. Shit changed with Scott's plan, so we had to do it on Facetime at one o'clock. Blah blah blah. Um, so we're day drinking actually. Yeah, yes. I just had so much going on before the show. I didn't really have a chance to even. I like to get a good buzz before we start. I didn't even have time. I did a shot of Casamigos like ten minutes ago. And I'm double fisting. I just grabbed two drinks. Well, I wasn't going to drink a beer till later, but I was hot. It was like a little warm in here and I was running around. I started getting sweaty. So I was like, fuck it. I'm cracking a beer to cool down. Um, So I'm drinking an Iron Maiden Hellcat, which is an American Indian pale lager. Um, I guess it's made by BrewDog. I guess that's the name of the brewery. It's kind of a weird can. And then in the other fist, I'm drinking um, Bundaberg guava, sparkling guava juice with uh, tequila. And Ooh, it's so fancy. Ooh. It's incredible. Yeah, it is. It's really fancy. I'm drinking it out of one of those like uh, fancy beer glasses where you get the like those beers that are like 18% and you get like an eight ounce pour. I'm drinking it out of one of those. So I'm very fancy right now. Yeah, you're you're way too fancy so for me, dude. Sophisticated. Yeah, and besides so sophisticated. And besides day drinking, I'm home alone for the weekend. Carissa's out of town with some friends. Um, so I might spend the rest of the day after this drinking alone, which I usually never do, but it might just, maybe I'll watch Pantera Three. Maybe I'll watch uh, One Night Stand. And then when he wake, when he wakes up, suddenly everything will just be sticky. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe yeah. I'll check out Kelly Madison's uh, newest movie. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Lucky. So I'm drinking PBR. I'm keeping it super simple. And I've got Bundaberg root beer. Is the PBR because that's the only thing you have in your house, mm. or is it because you have to drive later? No, I'm not driving. Shan is driving. Okay, I was wondering if but you got yes, talked to Yes, literally, because it's the only alcohol I have in the house right now. Why do you even have that? Were you playing beer pong or something? No, I had actually bought it a couple weeks back uh, for our last set of recordings. Oh. Because I just wanted something quick and easy. I was just going to do beer that night. Okay. No liquor. And then today, I was like, well, shit, I don't have anything up in the cabinet, so I've got the PBR left from a couple weeks ago in the fridge in the garage, so here we go. PBR time. Light it up. Light it up. That emergency stash coming in handy. Exactly. All right. For today's episode, as I said, this is a pay-per-view. This takes place back in the year of our Lord, 1999, specifically on February 14th, 1999, on Valentine's Day. This is WWF St. Valentine's Day Massacre in your house. This takes place at the Pyramid in Memphis, Tennessee. Drunk fact! This venue is now a Bass Pro Shop store and hotel. Hotel? There's the Bass hotel. Pro Shop hotel? Apparently, I, I think... At and you least, hunt inside the hotel? Like, what's it... Like... I mean, it's probably, like, one of the business buildings that's, like, physically attached to it. Maybe. At least that's what I saw on Wikipedia, unless some drunk mark uh, edited that page. But... <laughs> it's an actual pyramid, too, like the it Luxor. It is, yeah. Which, if... You all didn't know there is actually a Memphis, Egypt that uh, has is, some that has some actual ancient uh, Egyptian history there. Right, that's why they named it that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So this pay per view, since we started this show, I've had a running list of episode ideas, and I kind of right away came up with a bunch, you know, and a lot have been on there since the beginning. This is one of those. Like day one, I wanted to do this pay per view, and it's one of those things that's never got around to it. Never got around to it. And I've been watching the Attitude Era start to finish. And I was just getting to this pay-per-view in the last couple weeks. So I texted Scott. I was like, hey, dude, do you want to do this one? Because I'm about to watch it anyway. It's been on my list because I always remembered it being a really cool pay-per-view. 
Um, partly because it was just St. Valentine's Day Massacre and there was only one. I thought it was a great name for a show. Um, I always like it when they do those kind of... I mean, I know a lot of the In Your Houses are one-offs, but this was kind of... I mean, uh, I, the earlier ones, but at this point, they were, it was like In Your House, No Way Out. You know what I mean? Shit like that. So I just thought it was a really cool and unique pay-per-view. And I remembered it being really cool. Um, going back and watching it, maybe I wasn't remembering it very well. Um, well, at least not the first part. Not the first part of it anyway. But um, drunk fact, this is the first In Your House pay-per-view I ever watched live. The first non- Big Four or King of the Ring pay-per-view that I ever watched live because I never ordered those because I was like, fuck them. I'm not paying monthly to watch pay-per-views. So I would always skip those. I only got the Big Four and King of the Ring. This was the first one because a friend of ours, Scott, um, who, who uh, I, I won't say his name, but he looks like a catfish. Um, he ordered it. <laughs> and I went really? over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ed Bell. I went over to there and watched it with him and his dad. Well, you weren't going to say his name. No, I know, but I was just being goofy. Um, I just wanted to say catfish. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't remember why. I, I don't even know why I remember that, but I remember in 1990, Valentine's Day 1999, if you ask me where I was, I know where I was. I was at Ed Bell's house watching this pay-per-view with him and his dad and eating pizza. Oh, that's so fucking romantic. Yeah, so it's just kind of been on my list for 100 years because of that. Um, also, one more um, note before we get into it. This is the day after Saturday Night Raw, which took place at the Sky Dome. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Was that a thing? Did that become a thing after Shotgun Saturday night or? No, it was. Remember, they'd have the dog show or whatever once in a while. And they um, Westminster or that tennis tournament. Yeah. This is so one I of think, those that forced Raw to move. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So oh. Raw would move like to just random days. I believe I think what happened here was they said, fuck it. Let's move it to Saturday and put it in the Sky Dome and see how many tickets we can sell. And they'd rather, you know, I mean, instead of moving it to Tuesday in the Sky Dome, move it to Saturday at the Sky Dome, I think is what happened. So, wow, what a sequence of events, too, because the Saturday Night Raw, they -hmm. still had a Sunday Night Heat, and then they had uh, this show, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. So Sunday Night Heat was in the same, it was in the pyramid before this. That was basically your pre-show back then. Man, that's that's a quick run of shows, dude. Right. Also, that's a big travel day, right? To go from Toronto to Memphis. I mean, I guess obviously they all want to fly. Nobody's doing that drive. They all want to fly. Yeah, that's insane. And then, yeah, and then the next night is raw. So it was like, boom, boom, boom. Three days of TV back to back. And um, yeah, that Sky Dome show was cool. Um, Val Venus was in the Sky Dome Hotel with Ryan Shamrock. Oh, I see. Yeah, you could see him through the window. Playing cards, I would imagine. Playing cards. (laughs) Yeah. It's code for fucking. (laughs) <laughs> that's kind of what I thought that meant. Yeah. So those are a little, uh, that's, that's the background. That's the setup for this pay-per-view. Let's get into it. Michael Cole and Jerry, uh, the King Lawler are your commentators and it's a homecoming for Jerry Lawler because it's in Tennessee. Lots of King chants. Yep. And, uh, the Jerry and there's Springer chants. There, there's there's a lot Jerry of reasons to chant King. Oh yes. Very much None of so. them to do with him. Right. Yeah. He, he's just uh, the king that was available. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only living king. Yeah. Um, how crazy was the opening video? It was nice. It I had like, that weird, it had that like 1930s. Um, it was like was old, old style. That but song crazy. Bit, cr- but a bit cra- spooky. Yeah, it was like that crazy for you song. But it was redone because I, I shazammed it and it was a Jim Johnston song. And uh, for anyone who doesn't remember the song, I'll use that as the outro for this uh, episode, probably. But it was just a crazy, weird song. It was like a creepy. It really had that uh, 1930s vibe to it and kind of creepy like a massacre would be. Dude, nobody has intro videos like the WWE. That's true. That's true. 
Nobody um, does it like them. Yeah, WCW's always sucked. Um, yes. AEW's are really good. They're, they're the closest, uh, production-wise, they're the closest anyone's come to WWE, but, like, you can't fuck with WWE. Well, where do you think AEW got the inspiration from? Well, obviously, of those WWE ones being done. Well, yeah, obviously from them, you know, for sure. Um, I'm just saying, like, they're they're close, but they're not there. Like, yeah, I don't think anyone's ever going to be. They just have a really talented crew over there. You know, yes, whoever produces those and edits them is just they have a really um, their crew over there doesn't get enough credit. Yeah, like, they really set the standard for this type of thing. They did. They did. Yeah, right. Yeah. Our opening match is Goldust versus Blue Dust. Fuck. Uh, Did either of you give a shit about this match? Fuck no. Um, Do you want to just skip it? It's all right. Here's my note. (laughs) Eh. And I did type. Yeah. "Eh." It was a comedy match to kick off the show. Not in the middle. But it wasn't funny. Right. <laughs> Comedy match is supposed to go on number two at a house show. It's not supposed yeah. to be on a pay-per-view. Leading off. Number one. Yeah. Um, Blue Dust just showed up the night before on Raw because I just watched it. And he, um, Goldust was wrestling Gilberg. Blue Dust shows up on the screen just out of nowhere. Blue Meanie had only been there since, this is February. Blue Meanie got there in January. So he'd only been there a couple weeks, had just kind of shown up and just popped up and not done anything. Then suddenly he's blue dust on the screen and we have to have a match about this because Goldust ended up losing to Gilberg because of the distraction from blue dust. Right. So, I mean, you can't go into a match with a lamer fucking angle. I mean, they didn't announce the match beforehand. You didn't even know what was going on. And that's every time we do one of these old pay-per-views, that was really common back then to have some cold matches. Yeah, just throw them together and send them out there. Yeah. Um, Goldust jumps in right away. The glitter kept falling for a long time. Did you notice that? Yeah, and they also mm-hmm. came out to the same exact music, too. Same music, same entrance. Right, because he's blue dust. Right. Yeah, I and mean, you can't make music sound blue. <laughs> Unless um, they actually played the blues. <laughs> yeah, blues version of that song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Goldust kicks his ass. Blue dust turns it around and humps Goldust's leg. But then Goldust turns it around again, gives Blue Dust a wedgie and spanks him. That was hot. Gave and I'm like, we're off, to a, we're off to a great start for this show. <laughs> yeah. And then... If anybody in the th- front row was menstruating at that point, oh boy, they were in for one. <laughs> what? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> okay. Um, Blue Dust misses a moonsault. Gold Dust hits the curtain call. One, two, three. Match was three minutes fucking long. The opening match of a pay-per-view went three minutes. Yeah, I think... Maybe the Val Venus match should have gone on in this spot to get the crowd a little more into it because the crowd yeah. wasn't super into this match. They didn't give a shit. No, yeah. this would have been a good pre-show match and give yes. them give them eight or ten minutes to heat up the crowd because I mean Goldust obviously was great. Blue Meanie was probably a little better than you think he is. You know what I mean? Right. Um, they could have had a decent ten minute match, but it shouldn't have been on the pay per view. Definitely shouldn't have been the first match on the pay per view. Going through it was three minutes and four seconds. I actually just saw it in my notes. Um, terrible opening and you're like I guess they have no plans for Blue Meanie they have him lose his first match in three minutes yeah he pretty much shows up. see I think he was maybe one of those signings they didn't really know what to do with him mm-hmm. but they just wanted to sign him so he didn't go somewhere else like just oh, lock they, him in and see what we're gonna do with him oh what were they worried WCW is gonna start winning the ratings war again if they got Blue Meanie well WCW is still a thing at this point yeah I know but <laughs> so you did you know it was one of those on. things just block everybody from going there I've t- I, I yes, tend to do that for fantasy football I draft players just so nobody else can 
Yeah, but, pull them but, off the wire but so then nobody it, else gets it. But them. then it comes to bite me in the ass. I mean, yeah. it's not like they've never done that with someone, but meanie <laughs> come on i don't well, know yeah no i, I, I totally like, get what you're saying i wondered if he showed up and pissed someone off right away like jbl well yeah or no no because jbl was no one like someone no he was pissed off fucking russo or patterson or some fucking one or patterson's not that not like that but i don't know did he piss someone piss off the wrong person so they're like fuck it we're gonna change your gimmick right away and have you lose <laughs> yeah, you're getting a wedgie in your first match <laughs> you can and get a wedgie <laughs> <laughs> So what, show your one, of the, one of those things, this is rock bottom. You can only go uphill from here. <laughs> it, it, this match should not have gone on first. I agree with you, Eddie. This yeah. one should have probably gone on second. Yeah. And I think that the Val Venus match should have gone on first because the first guy out would have been Billy Gunn. That immediately gets the crowd invested. Totally, totally. And we'll get to that match later. And I'll of give course. you my thoughts on that match as well. Okay. I look okay. forward to it. Moving on. Moving on. Next match is for the WWF Hardcore Championship, which has been vacated uh, from Road Dog, who sustained injuries previous night at Raw. This is between Job Squad members Al Snow and Bob Holly. So the match starts outside of the ring and immediately chair shot, chair shot, chair shot, and they go straight into the crowd. Unprotected chair shots. Unprotected chair shots. Yeah, those guys back then, man, I just like, I don't even, I know that they weren't like, oh, I'm going to get a concussion and kill everybody because um, you didn't know that back then, but I mean, it's going to fucking hurt, you know? Yeah, like, I'm I don't, really surprised nobody spoke It's going to become a theme for later in this show. It's got to be a totally. thing too where you just learn to control your reflexes because how do you not put your hand up when a chair Dude. is coming? You know what I mean? It's just instinctively you would do that, but these guys just conquered that. Fucking take it. Yeah. Um, so I get that it's a hardcore match, but the second match going into the crowd, really? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, this so, would have been a way better spot for the Goldust match. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this would have been the perfect spot for that match. Yeah. I would have thought. Or, or second to last. I would have thought maybe this could start off the show, maybe. Like every, or, everyone's still, still trying to get in from traffic or already re-cheesing their nachos maybe this would be that opportunity <laughs> but i don't even know if the crowd was like super heavily invested in this match either they weren't seemed... because this is another angle no. that started the day before right so there was no time to get the crowd invested into it anyway they didn't really give a shit both these guys were job squad guys right they were like homies until the day before and al snow fucking wigged out and hardcore came out to calm him down and al snow kind of pushed him twice and then now we have to have a match yeah, now it's a match. There was on nothing to a it. pay per view. No, nobody gave a shit. They were just like, I guess these guys are going to hit each other with shit, so it should be fun. I right. They were excited right. for like a crash, uh, you know, like a car crash. Yeah. Which is what it was. Um, <laughs> the best part was Bob Holly sprayed Al um, Snow with a fire extinguisher, and it like got the white stuff all over his face. He looked like um, Sid Vicious in the barbershop. Oh, I was going to compare it to another movie. That, well, uh, that I enjoy. Right. And then, well, Bob Holly gets sprayed from behind and he gets it all over his ass, which that's what I would compare to other movies that I like. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. So now we have a Bukaki film going on in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> and then they fight into the back. Um, Al Snow takes a payphone shot to the head, which, if you're young enough listening to the show, you might not even know what a payphone is. Nor would you get his reference that he made when he did it. Well, oh, yeah. What did he say? Reach out and touch someone or something? Reach out and touch someone. Yeah, right. Oh, that's you'd have to be old for that because that's from like the 80s, early 90s. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that re reference did not stand up in yeah. 2022. Um, so now match two, they're fighting in the back. So the crowd is watching on a screen. 
So you st- Ooh, yeah. So if you're yeah. there for the show, I don't know what the pre-show match was. Um, Adam, maybe you can look that up. It's probably um, another disaster. I would probably just have to look up whatever was on Heat that I didn't. Oh, see that's that. right. That's right. They didn't have a yeah. Pre-show heat would have bled so, right into the show. So forget it, because Heat was probably actually decent. Um, so you start with a three-minute match no one cares about, and then you go straight to a match where three minutes in they're out of the arena. They're out of the ring. Yeah. I did like the way they shot it because it looked like it was really happening. Like it didn't look like it was set up. Like the guys weren't lit well. You know, they're fighting in the you dark. You can see that like the lighting people, they're unstable. It's like, can, can you get the light on them for once? Right. So like you can see someone had a mobile light and the camera would get in front of it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And at one point, a second camera came from outside running, which like that's the camera that gets exterior shots. Like someone in the truck was like, camera 10, get your ass over there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like mm-hmm. the way they shot it. And all I could think was, if they did this now, Kevin Dunn would be trying to shoot it like a fucking Spielberg movie or something. Right. There would already he, be cameras placed. Right. He'd get all artsy with it and it would be, you'd get like close ups on their faces and shit like that. Have right. drone yeah. number three ready. Oh. Yeah, it would be stupid. <laughs> um, so all they're doing is hitting each other with shit. That's it. They're not doing anything. They're just hitting each other with shit. Floor tiles, garbage cans, street signs. I think the luck. Yeah. Bob gets choked yeah. with barbed wire from a fence. He doesn't bleed, though. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, it was gimmicked. Yeah. yeah. Thrown into a fire lane sign. Th- yeah. Uh, beating each other with branches. Yeah, yeah, and kind of the payoff to the whole thing is they eventually end up in the fucking river. Yeah, which people loved other people being thrown into water in the late 90s, apparently. Why? Did the, it, who else The did Rock that? threw a title or Stone Cold threw a title into the Stone river. Stone Cold threw the Rock's title, I think. Right, right. And then in WCW, they'd always have... The title's not a person. At WCW, they'd have those Monday night throws at, like, some place for, like, a spring break, and people would get thrown into the swimming pool. Oh, oh well, and Giant, you, Giant hmm? may have been thrown off a building into the river. We don't know. This is true. Yeah, we reviewed that show. <laughs> in Memphis, was no, that was Detroit. Yeah. And then here you have them battling into the uh, Mississippi River. Yeah, um... Was are there how... alligators there? What's that? Do you guys know if there are alligators there? I don't know, dude. I mean, I think they're in the Mississippi River, but like down at the bottom, like by the Gulf. But I mean, any Memphis listeners, uh, please let us know. Wrestling yeah, underscore drunk. Uh, alligators go way further from the Gulf of Mexico than you think they do. Like, I had no idea that there were any in like. Well, I know Stone Cold talked about seeing an alligator where he lived in Texas, and I was like, dude, you're like nowhere near the ocean, so I guess they come from a fucking river. Like, I don't know anything about alligators, but I was just worried that there was an alligator in there. It would have been cool if one had done a run in. I yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, alligator. Right, alligator doesn't run in and bites one of their dicks off or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently he couldn't bite Al Snow's dick off because Al Snow's looks like a robin egg in the nest, according to mankind. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, two robin eggs. Two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Bob breaks a branch over Al Snow, and the broken part flies and hits the cameraman. And it looked like it hit him pretty fucking hard, too. You see it fly right past the lens, and and you can see that it bounces. You can hear it, and you can see that it bounces. Fucking cameraman gets color. Right. <laughs> he might have. <laughs> cameraman should have thrown it down. Fuck this. I'm going to pin one of you. <laughs> yeah. No, the hardcore chip. Well, they didn't have the 24-7 roll yet, though. Oh, okay. Good point. Um, for the finish, Bob wraps up Al Snow in a section of loose chain link fence, which um, I know that's very common to find at Rivers. <laughs> and one, two, three, that's it. He goes inside, gets his title, and that's the end of it. I and thought that Al was... Snow, Al Snow cannot escape. I think he's still there. He can't escape from the... Uh... 
I thought that was the most Hopefully challenging. Floods. That was the most challenging part of the match. Him and <laughs> Bob Holly and Eddie's friend Tim White jogging back to the arena just for the belt presentation. That's true. That was Tim, hilarious. Yeah, Tim White jogging is a sight to see. Because <laughs> he never does it. Again, Eddie's <laughs> yeah. friend, Tim White. That's true. I did meet Tim White. At, uh, I don't think I told the story really quickly. We, I just happened to randomly see Tim White at the WrestleMania store. And I was going to mention that I, I, tr- I was going to ask him if he still had his bar in um, Rhode Island and tell him that I forgot about it when I was there and I wish I'd gone. But I just happened to mention something along the lines of, I'm glad you survived all those videos you used to make on the website. Fuck. And he went into like a five-minute conversation. His phone mm-hmm. rang and he hit ignore on the phone to keep talking to me about it. Super cool dude. And he was like, man, those were so fun. And I know that's not a good thing to make jokes about. And we should have never done that. But those were really fun. And after the first one, we got so much shit that... <laughs> Well, you'd think after the first one getting so much shit, you stopped doing them. But he was like, instead, we turned them into like a cartoon. And it was like a comedy <laughs> thing. And he's like, every time I talk to someone about those, they tell me how funny they are. And he goes, at the office now, every once in a while, if we just want to have something to laugh at, we'll put those videos on. They're so fucking funny. But I know you shouldn't joke about that. But they're funny. <laughs> yeah, like you could tell. He was like proud of those videos. It was great. Super cool guy. still employed really- by the WWE. He's back because I was like, dude, I didn't think he'd be here. And he's like, yeah, I'm back. You know, I'm back now. He sounded like he had something to do with their TV deals like um, in other countries because he was like he knew exactly how many countries they had TV in because he met, he just happened to mention that because he was like, I can't believe how big it's gotten. We've got TV in this many places and blah, blah, blah. And he kind of just from what he was saying, he sounded like he had to do with that. Like, remember, Hillbilly Jim used to be the Coliseum video guy. Yes, he showed up at a Southland Mall. Right, so he sounded like he might have to do with that. Like maybe if they're trying to negotiate a TV deal somewhere, they send him as an ambassador or something, something to that effect. And I could be completely fucking getting this wrong. That's just the way it sounded to me. But super cool guy, and love those videos. <laughs> I was convinced. And like, bad jogger. He already, like you two already knew each other. You just came up to him with that much confidence, and then it dawned on me. Oh wait, he's a former ref. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, I could see how you would think that if you don't recognize him right away, because the way he started talking to me, it was like we knew each other, you know what I mean? Like, he was that friendly. Old drinking buddies. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, if I lived in, in uh, Rhode Island, I'm sure we would be drinking buddies. <laughs> okay, moving on. There is a pep talk uh, with the ministry. Uh, Undertaker's given a pep talk to the ministry, which leads up to the next match. Corporation versus ministry. Big Boss Man taking on Midian with I. I need a beer for this one. Hold on. I need to crack another beer. Is it because okay. I mentioned Midian um, or what? I think, we're, I think this match we should move through pretty quickly because I know it's 2 o'clock and Scott has to get on the road at 3. So, um, And we have another <laughs> we have another episode to do. Um, we got started nearly on time. Um, Midian is about to be fucked by the long dick of the law. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's what I wish Big Boss Man's real name was. <laughs> long dick of the law yeah instead of the big boss man he is the long dick of the law that would have flown in the attitude era actually oh totally yeah yeah so for right. youtube like video of this episode you should just have a nightstick with the caption long dick of the law <laughs> <laughs> um another weird fucking match because it's two heels so you got one guy that works for the under for vince and the other guy is in the ministry of darkness working for undertaker and another and, match nobody gives a shit about so this makes three in a row now yeah and, and crowd chanting boring yeah, yes. and Boss Man's working heel more than Midian is. Like, he's, like, fucking with the crowd and talking shit. And I was like, wait, am I wrong? Was the ministry faces at this point? And I was like, no, because Undertaker tried to embalm Austin, like, a month ago. Right. 
So they're oh. both heels and working against each other, and the crowd doesn't give a fuck about either guy. Like, they're chanting, Boss Man sucks, which that's ignorant because Boss Man doesn't suck. But in this right. match, like, who cares? They're chanting boring. They're chanting Jerry. Yeah. Um, Midian is carrying a urine sample that has Rey Mysterio's eye in it, which is really bizarre. <laughs> um, the best part of the match was at the beginning of it, right as the bell rings, Michael Cole says, this will be a good one. No, it won't. Fuck you, Michael Cole. Don't um, lie to us. Yeah, but Bossman kicks his ass. Midian makes a comeback. No one cares. Bossman cuts him off. Midian's practically an oaf in this match. And it yeah. looks like he's wearing, like, 90s joggers, not even wrestling gear or not even athletic gear. To be fair, Midian was an oaf in every match, Adam. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, There's a slight pop when uh, Bossman takes a backdrop. And what do they do? They go to a double down. <laughs> um. <laughs> So to get they to the kind end of, of get him invested and then pull him right back out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, you're you're starting to enjoy this? Well, fuck you. Fuck you. Um, no, Bossman hits a sidewalk slam for the win. Ministry surrounds the ring and the lights go out and Taker comes out to a baby face pop. Then I'm <laughs> the like, guy who tried to embalm Austin? He tried to embalm Austin like a month ago, and they because the Ministry was fucking cool. Um, and I was like, I think the crowd likes the Ministry. They just don't fucking like Midian. Yes, that's that's fair. Then they abduct Bossman, which is kind of the Ministry's thing, because they abducted Mid uh, they abducted Midian before they abducted Viscera. Like they're abductors. They're like uh, like they uh, they drive around like a weird van, probably. No windows. No windows. Exactly. Yeah. Says free candy on the side. Oh god. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently the corporation doesn't care about Bossman. They're like, whatever, dude. We're not going out there. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. You're on your own. Yeah, and I was like, man, this is bad for Bossman, but it's going to be way worse in about six weeks. Then I started thinking maybe the next WrestleMania pay-per-view, next WrestleMania episode we do should be 15. Ugh. Oh, you don't like 15? No, dude. Well, I no. like what... Uh, all right. No. I am not a fan of 15. I mean, I'll review it. We did WrestleMania 11, so well, how much bad, worse could 15 why? be? Is, the bad ones make good episodes. Is it because... No, I'm saying that's... I'm, I'm game for it for sure. Is it yeah. because Austin forgot his vest? <laughs> mm. That's right. Yeah, yeah, he did forget his vest. All right. Um, yeah. So after the match, Adam. Uh, I, I just want to point out uh, the only career highlight of Midian that I know of is that there was a Thanksgiving episode of SmackDown, and he brought soup, and then McFoley chatted shit about him or made fun of him for bringing soup. That is all. <laughs> well, who brings soup? <laughs> to honestly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, breaking news. Country music legend Naomi Judd, one half of the Grammy winning duo The Judds, has died. Oh, shit. No I just way. got that alert. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wow. So if you're a Judds fan, uh, condolences. Sorry. Yeah, condolences. Um, so backstage, Ivory is with D'Lo and Mark Henry. And I don't know if either of you know this. Yesterday at Raw in the Skydome was Ivory's debut. Oh, wow. She yeah. debuted in 99. I forget if it yeah. was that day or, I mean, I was projecting really, really early into her tenure. Yeah, yeah, she showed up the day before. That was the first time we'd seen her. Okay. And today, she already has, I don't know if either of you knew this, purple was her color and no one else was allowed to wear purple. She already has, she's like carrying a purple scarf. She's not wearing it for some reason, but she's carrying around a purple scarf. Oh, huh. so yeah. she put a copyright on purple. She did, yeah, she just kind of did a thing. I, I heard Trish on Jericho or Stone Cold's podcast years ago, and she said that. Like, she was like, we were all tried to be as unique as possible, and she was like, like, purple was ivories, and nobody else could wear purple. 
Wow, so I did not know that. That's day two, she's already got purple. So that damn. That's why Raquel had to wait until Sam delivered to do the Selena attire, and that's why Raven uh, had to dress like a like a schmuck without <laughs> without purple. <laughs> he dressed like me in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Uh, also, well, in a very Adam move, Ivory threatening to strip Deborah naked if she interfered in the match. Right. Yep. What a way to make a debut. I'm just saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and she's clearly already banging Mark Henry because that's Mark Henry's gimmick at this point. Right. He bangs shit. I mean, that was. Right. I mean, he's, and we love him for he's it. He's standing behind her and, <laughs> and during that interview. And I'm glad I can't see what's behind her. Yeah. Good, good thing the camera was kind of a waist up uh, that is the lead up into the next match this is for the WWF Tag Team Championship D'Lo and Mark Henry with Ivory versus the champions Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett with Deborah. were both teams heels no so Mark and D'Lo had become faces they sort of just slowly organically turned face over the last couple months okay. because Mark Henry's horny I see, and the crowd like, loved that. Actually. They loved it, right? They were just like, he's trying to bang all these chicks. We love him for it. And this was after the thing with the the dude. He was he almost fucked the dude and all that. And it was like, he just like, people just started to really like both of them because of that. But it was like, they didn't do anything. They didn't turn on a heel or anything like that. They just slowly became baby faces because Mark Henry likes fucking. <laughs> okay. That's some great writing back then. So we got so we got Mark Henry, Sexual Chocolate, and Val Venus coming up. So it's, um, and it's I think Jerry sexual. Lawler. Oh yeah. I don't know if Jerry Lawler lost his voice at this point, or he's panting because of the chicks. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was uh, seasonal allergies. It was February. Oh, could be, could be. Yeah, yeah but like good. over the course of the next few matches to the end of the show, like. Something was going on with his voice. Well, it was almost like uh, Michael Cole at WrestleMania 19. Well, exactly. I guess I was figuring, uh, I've mentioned this later, but since you bring it up, I'll mention it now. Uh, during one of the upcoming matches, you could see a, a Coke can and a bottle of honey on the desk. Oh, okay. That may, I wonder if he's drinking tea. Uh, yeah. yeah, so okay. So he was tea. sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty good match. It was just kind of your standard tag team match. So nothing special. It was fun match. Good hard hitting. Yeah. I forgot how yeah. good Owen and Jarrett were as a tag team. They were great as a tag team. They were both good in anything they ever did, but they were really good as a tag team. Well, I've never been a real big Jarrett fan. Right. I I don't know why. I've just never gotten invested into any of his characters. But when he was with Owen, mm-hmm. that's probably, in my opinion, the best he's ever been. Just my opinion. I probably. never liked him as a singles guy, but with Owen, there was just something to him. Yeah, you know what? I can agree with that. I really liked him at this point. I mean, I was always a Jarrett fan since the original with the fucking light up hat and everything. See, even then, I did. I, I just didn't buy into it. I was like, this guy is just. I, I never got into him, but him and Owen with Deborah as their manager, mm-hmm. that to me was money because, was. like you said, both guys like nothing against Jarrett, solid technician in the ring, but when they put him with Owen, that was two solid technicians in the ring. And then they could work together as a tag team, too. They just had it, dude. I loved them as a team together. Yeah. I forgot how good they were. Mm-hmm. They were great. Yeah. Um, at one point, well, Michael Cole reads Mark Henry's sexual resume, which was weird. Like he's bragging for him. Um, <laughs> was Kelly Owens- Madison on the list? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's when she was only like 35. Um, <laughs> Owen's standing on the second row punching D'Lo, right? And D'Lo just hits a running powerbomb. Boom. Takes him right out of that shit. 
And then a little while later, Jeff Jarrett goes for a running drop kick, and D'Lo catches him in a powerbomb. Wait, did I say yeah. running powerbomb? I said running powerbomb, right? Yeah. Yes. D'Lo okay. does a lot of the heavy lifting in this match, by the way. He does. He's the worker. Mark, you can tell, like, is green and doesn't have a lot of stuff he can do. He's limited. They're setting up a hot tag, too. They're setting up a hot tag, and then this was a really cool hot tag because D'Lo... So Owen tags out. D'Lo backs into the corner and just kind of falls backwards and tags Mark then. Yep. He didn't do your typical, like, diving to the corner thing or anything like that. He just kind yes. of fell over and, like, lo- got lucky and tagged him, which was really cool. Yeah, let's point out how good D'Lo was, too. He was, he was kind great. of on the downside at this point. Like, he had reached his height as the dual champion. We've mm-hmm. talked about how good he was. I just want to bring it up again. D'Lo was so fucking good in the ring. He was. He was fantastic. But this was on kind of the downside of his WWE run. Right, because it was short. It was, dude. It was. He was on top for a minute, and then now he's tag-teaming with Henry. Henry was destined for bigger things, and D'Lo, this was just the downside. Yeah. Um, so to get into the finish, D'Lo goes for a frog splash. Deborah distracts him. Ivory grabs her, and D'Lo, like a dummy, goes out to separate him. Yeah. Mark Henry gorilla presses Jeff Jarrett, and then Owen grabs the guitar and hits Mark in the leg with it. Yep. And um, runs outside to intercept D'Lo so he couldn't get in. And then Jeff wins with a figure four, which I thought was really cool. Like, fuck him. I'm not going to just pin him. I'm going to put him in a figure four after his leg is smashed with a guitar. So both guys come out looking strong. Henry, obviously hit with a guitar. Mm-hmm. Can't fight the figure four. Jarrett wins with a submission. Both guys come out looking strong. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. It was a really good. W- if you're going to beat Mark Henry, that's the way to do it. Guitar totally. shot to the leg, figure four. Yep. You know, yeah. Um, then Ivory tries to rip off Deborah's top for some reason. I'm not really sure why. And she's still well, holding she on to her. If you interfere, you're going to get stripped. Oh, that's way, true. She did. Yeah. When she approached Deborah during that flirtatious interference with D'Lo, it was more like tapping on the shoulder. Hey, stop. Stop. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, instead of um, like, like pull off that blazer and, and, and while do this the is threat going on, that you were going to do. Through this whole thing, Ivory's still holding on to that scarf, like Linus with the fucking blanket. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know why she never wrapped it around her neck. Like, maybe she, maybe they were like, don't wrap that around your neck, because, you know. Yeah, we see, God forbid. Because we, we, no, right. otherwise, we, Mark Henry will get hard. <laughs> we'll have to fire you like we're going to do to Daniel Bryan in a few years. Well, she wraps it around her neck. Mark Henry would, Mark Henry would stop being hard. Adam. Uh, well, so, he, I don't know. It was just weird. She was holding it the whole time. That's when Benoit gets hard. Well, oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, shit, that was out loud. I'm sorry. Uh, also, fuck him. God and that's it. it for that match. Yeah, because he's from Edmonton. <laughs> Jesus. There is a bad... <laughs> I do want to point out, this is when the, the show really starts to get good. So we yes. kind of shit on the previous matches. This actually, match is where you're like, okay, it's getting good. Actually, I'm going to disagree with you, but... Really? Yeah, go ahead, Adam. Uh, we have a backstage segment uh, with Mankind uh, recapping what happened in Heat. Uh, Rock uh, attacks him from behind. and Yeah, with the keg. I think it was like a quarter keg. Ke- yes, quarter keg? Or was that like a coffee machine or dispenser? Or, or coffee. Maybe it was that. Well, I'm not, it was one of those two. One of those things, but goddamn. Uh, and then there's a video package of... <laughs> package of... Uh, <laughs> Val Venus in his relationship with Ryan Shamrock, Ken Shamrock's sister. And this is just fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's like the it's the hard cut transitions between all the sensual and the sexy music and then suddenly 
Ken Shamrock pissed off. <laughs> Hard yeah, cut. Totally <laughs> right. Yeah. right, right. Yeah, it is a really like, yeah, it's a, like you're like enjoying watching Val and uh, Sham, uh, Ryan and then it goes like, like to a, yeah, hard cut of Shamrock. It's kind of like when you're watching a porn and it cuts to a close up of the dude's face. <laughs> right. Right, like I keep, I can't spank to this. What are you doing to me, dude? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you just turn me? So you, <laughs> so you alluded earlier to Billy Gunn being the referee in this match. The reason he is the ref is because Shamrock had kicked um, a bunch of referees' asses the day before, or maybe the week before, and the day before Earl said he's not going to let any of his referees work a Shamrock match because of their own safety. Right. And Billy Gunn came out and mentioned that everyone in DX had a match on the show, but he didn't, so he's like, fuck it, I'm going to be the ref. So that's what, that's the reason. He didn't really have necessarily a issue with these guys. Not yet. Not yet, yeah. And, yeah, this is said match for the WWF Intercontinental Championship with uh, badass Billy Gunn as the special guest referee, Val Venus with Ryan Shamrock taking on the champion, Ken Shamrock. And Val says he has a heart on yes. for the ladies and yeah, for the match start. There's also a sign in the crowd that clearly says, Val Venus, suck my penis. <laughs> I didn't see that. That's incredible. Oh, it, it, it's there. I love it. I never realized Venus and penis rhyme. I, <laughs> go figure. Um, did you guys catch that Ryan's dress looked like Val's towel? Yeah, there was, oh, I didn't they, there was some kind of uniformity between them. Yeah, yeah. They, they matched. She looked like the way a chick would wear a towel. You know what I mean? Like up high. Uh, but if you look at that, because it was just a little dress and it was like, like a little mini dress and it came like just, you know, a little bit past, like, you know, it stopped above her knees. But uh, it was just like a nondescript with nothing on it dress and it looked, you know, you you could think it was a towel. Interesting. I did yeah. not catch that. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I hated this match. Really? really? Yeah, and I guess you liked it. I, well, no, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it, but it was way better than what we were given in the first three matches. I thought I mean, Billy yeah, Gunn was, was entertaining as the special ref. It was, yeah, Billy Gunn was good, and it was like, at least these guys were beating the shit out of each other. They really were. You know what I mean? They were both working. It was good, hard-hitting, yeah. But I thought it was boring. I, I, a, I didn't find it boring. Oh, I thought so, Billy Gunn brought enough to it to keep it entertaining. Val Venus was always good. Ken Shamrock, man, what a short WWE run he had. Mm-hmm. But he was so fucking, he picked it up so quickly. He was oh, so fuck like, he was like, Kurt, wait, do you have somebody? Is that your pizza? Yeah, I think the dogs are going to start barking. Hopefully not. Was it an uh, Amazon package or a pizza? I don't know. No, I already picked up the pizza. I don't know what it is, but I'm hoping. Oh, is it hookers? It seems like they're going to be. No, no, the stripper's coming later. Oh, okay. I, remember I told you I have the house to myself. Oh, got it. Is um, it your flashlight delivery? <laughs> That's what I'd get on a free weekend. Um, is it Val Venus? Okay. Hello, Eddie. <laughs> <Is> it, <laughs> hello, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, it's just kind of. Shamrock seems like he should be wanting to just destroy Val Venus, but he's kind of just kicking him and punching him slowly. He's not really like. I so he's not going him. at the pace. Uh, with the character that you think he should, uh, yeah, he's yeah. not he's not acting like he's irate with this okay, guy. That, the way the angle, no, that that definitely makes sense. Was, and I mean, I guess he could be like always oh, picking him apart little by little, but he could have been much more aggressive. I thought. Um, I mean, I think Shamrock should always be super aggressive, but especially in this match because it was this was like one of his first personal storylines, and he's just kind of slowly kicking him, like kick him, come back later, kick him. It was, like with as angry as he was for this dude banging his sister, like he should be going for his eyes, his throat, like just 
going at him. Right. The referee, Billy Gunn should be having to pull him off him constantly. I see. Okay. Yeah. yeah call I, the I, I agree with that. Yeah. And actually this match is the first um, time I hear Jerry chants during a match. Oh, good point. Yeah. So the crowd was not into it at all. The crowd was sitting on their hands the whole fucking time. Um, I, don't, and, I didn't mind it. I thought it was funny. Like when uh, Shamrock had Venus in a submission hold. And he's mm-hmm. like, ask him. And Billy Gunn said, ask him what? Ask him what? That was pretty clever. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was funny. Yeah, yeah. So then I, it gets weird. I, so, I didn't know I was supposed to count for the pin. Dang. Yeah, because yeah, he does do the whole thing where he counts slow or he's late to count. And then his spots are like, oh, man, my arm during that count. Jesus. Yeah, my shoulder. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> right. He hits. Yeah, Shamrock hits a DDT and Billy stops counting at two. And yeah, he does the arm thing. Then he does a slow count after a power bomb or power slam, I mean. But then he and does the one where he counting altogether. Yeah, then he does this to Val too, and you're like, what the hell's going on? This is kind of like that Ric Flair SummerSlam match. I figured this was setting up a triple threat for WrestleMania. I, it might have been. I don't remember, but it probably it did it not. probably was. It didn't? No, it did not. Oh, okay, okay. I don't remember what went on at WrestleMania. Yeah, Road um, Dog ended up winning the IC title between this and WrestleMania. Okay. Go um, at one point, Jerry, Jerry Lawler's talking about Ryan and Val the whole time. And at one point, with all the charm of a Saudi lawmaker, he says Ryan can't make her own decisions because she's blinded by her passion for Val. <laughs> <sighs> and it was Did one of those. <laughs> yeah. And it was one of those. Jerry Lawler just doesn't. His gimmick wouldn't work anymore. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, how'd the match end? Uh, so they go to the outside and. Ryan and Ken Shamrock start arguing. Ryan slaps him. Ken goes after Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn defends himself. Tells him, throws, to, get, uh, tells him to get back in the ring, and then they go at it. Yeah, yeah. Billy Gunn throws Ken Shamrock into the ring, and Val wins with a small package and a fast count. <laughs> and, and a fast, fast count. count. Right, right. Which okay. is hilarious because the porn star wins his first title in the WWE with a small package. With a small package. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, that it being his first title. That's, That's funny. hilarious. Yeah, that is pretty clever. I was actually hoping that was going to be his finishing move, but the money shot was way more clever. Yeah, that was way better. Um, so after the match, we get a commercial for a t-shirts, and the shirts were only $25 back then. They're only 28 now, so, like, that's the best deal in town. Completely. Gas right? has gone up, like, 5 or $6 since 99. Oh, t-shirts yeah. T-shirts have only gone up 3 bucks. Yep. Investments. Uh, I'm gonna grab a beer while you set up the next match. There's a video package for, uh, or yeah, that that is the video package uh, for that deal, and then uh, there's the setup for China breaking from DX. This is six months prior. She says that if anyone will initiate one, it'll be me, and then that remark is put off to the side until recently when. She does break from DX and joins the corporation. Uh, and then she uh, tricked uh, Triple H into quitting an I Quit match against The Rock while he was on the offensive, which that concept is amazing. You're on the offensive and you're forced to say I quit. It was a good turn. And especially dude. Triple H doing it. God damn. Yeah, the way that they set it up was great. It was really good. Like, it's, the whole thing, like, you were getting sympathy for China, your sympathy for Triple H, and then the turn comes, and you're like, oh, fuck. Like, I didn't see that coming. Is this the first time we've had an intergender match? 
They did make note of that. Yes, this is the first time a woman has competed against a man where in they a could, sanctioned match. Where they could make contact because there was that one at six with Dusty and Sapphire, right? Right. Well, also at the Royal Rumble, China had been in there, but this was like a real a, sanctioned match, yeah. not a, a battle royal type match. Where yeah. a woman may happen to join, but this was set up. And can make contact with a dude like they can actually fight. Right. Um, so as the match starts... Um, oh, uh, f- trip full match. Uh, Triple H and X-Pac, who is the European champion, versus Kane yeah. and China. Um, Triple H is wearing a Triple H shirt, I think, and he takes it off and has a China the shirt D- under it. The DX jersey. Yes. DX shirt. Yeah. Takes it off, the he has China a China shirt, shirt under it. Shirt. And he rips the shirt, and I was like, he's out 25 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> he was a big deal at this point. He could afford that. But not yeah, many true. of them. Right. <laughs> then wipes it on his ass and throws it at China. Yep. Um, Shane's on commentary, which he had kind of only recently been on TV the last few months. Like, it was fairly recent. Like, he he rehired Austin after Vince fired him. I forget what the situation was, why Vince fired him, but Shane hired him back. But then Shane ended up suddenly joining the corporation. It was kind of convoluted. But Shane has not been around very long, but he's on commentary. And he's also very obnoxious. Completely obnoxious, yes. Like, yeah. It- Pretty much any move that uh, Kane or China does, he wets himself. Um, Kane starts. You're right. Kane starts out the match, but he pretty quickly tags in China, and she gets in and fucks. Excuse me, fucks up X Pac. <laughs> <laughs> also, I want to point out that it was hilarious. They made a big deal about this being the first real intergender match in WWE history. Yeah. Within 30 seconds of China being in the ring, they try to have X-Pac do the Bronco Buster tour. So they immediately want to throw a dick in her face. 30 <laughs> seconds into the first uh, intergender match in WWE history. Right, right. Yeah, that's... <laughs> well, we'll put her in there, but she's got to take a dick to the face. Well, that's I mean, you'd shit, have to pal. wait years to see X-Pac dick in her face, but, you know. <laughs> they tried to make it happen in this match, didn't right. they? Right. No. She moved. <laughs> um, X-Pac does a drop kick to Kane's leg, and Michael... Or just a kick to Kane's leg, and Michael Cole calls it a martial arts kick. Um, a martial arts kick, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, China reverses a standing suplex and then slams Triple H, and this is the first time we've seen something like this from her, which is kind of cool. You're like, oh, okay, she can do a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah, I thought that they made her look like a million bucks. They, they did. didn't have they, her it, do too much, but they mm-hmm. played to her strengths. Yeah. And she had moves on X-Pac. She had moves on Triple H. Mm-hmm. I thought they made her look very, very strong in this match. And they always did. And she was never the greatest worker in the world, but they always made sure to make her look as good as they possibly could. And every, exactly. For exactly. And look at the guy she's in the ring with too, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you got Triple H in there. You got X-Pac in there. Those guys are veterans. Kane was still fairly new, but she was very well protected in this, and they were going to play to her strengths, and they made her look great. And that's one of those things, like, whenever I watch Jade Cargill in AEW, I always think, like, if I'm Vince and I'm hiring someone from AEW and their contract's up, she's number one on my list. Because, say what you want, but Vince knows how to, when he really invests in someone and is like, this is who I'm going to do something with, he'll do it, for the for the most part. You know, not he's not... He's not batting a thousand, but he's pretty fucking good. And if you look at what they did with China, as far as put her in the ring with people who can make her look good, protect her. Not that Cargill needs that. I think she's actually a better wrestler than China. But they could they could make her into a fucking huge star. She could be a top. Like we had China as she was what the number two or three star, or maybe not two or three, but top five for a while. And then and not even competing for a women's title. Yeah, and then you look at Becky a couple years ago. She was number one in the company. 
Um, Vince could do the same thing if he really invested in Jade Cargo and was like, this is who I'm going to do this with. They could pull it off. Like, they, she could be a household name. I, she could I have rivalries with, all, with heavyweight dudes in WWE. Yeah. Like, maybe not have a match with them, but she'll get in their face all Well, I mean, she doesn't even have to have... I mean, she doesn't even have to fight dudes. It's just like they could take her and be like, this is a star. Look at her. Like, just look at her. And she's a star. Let's do something with her. That kind of thing. So I don't know if you'd ever get to the point where you have her fighting for like an icy championship like they did with China. And I don't think you need to. But you, yeah, exactly. You wouldn't need to because the roster of women they have now Mm -hmm. are good enough. Right. The roster women they had at this time, you definitely wanted China in there with the dudes. There was no one there. I don't think they even have. They didn't even have a women's championship at this point, did they? Uh, maybe they did. I think Sable might have been women's champion, but she wasn't on this card. You're right. You're right. Yeah, you're. And they I may have, and yeah, weeks. women's champion wouldn't have been yeah. anything, but still, China would was a star without the title. Um. Yeah. So back to the match. X Pac clobbers Shane while he and Kane are outside the ring. Which yeah. I loved, you know. Which is great. Jerry's like pandering to him. Shane, are you okay? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, he's totally kissing his ass. Um, totally. Bill, Bill After is there. I never noticed it till right now. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, that guy. China ends up putting X-Pac in a sleeper, and the crowd is so fired up for this sleeper that when they cut to the hard camera, the camera is rumbling because people, people are pounding their feet on the floor. You know what I mean? And it's, this is not a 500-year-old arena where it's bleachers. It's concrete. And they're you every once in a while you see that still you know I mean it, it, it could be a fifty thousand year old pyramid so right. still still holding up <laughs> yeah um, so eventually you get China and Triple H in the ring China hit her with a knee or Triple H hit her with a knee lift did he fucking stiffer with that I think he did dude and then it's also weird to see him hitting those moves like he's punching her he's mm-hmm. giving her with a knee lift like it's just weird to see but it became kind of a norm for her as she started fighting dudes after this. So you kind of got used to it, but at first it's a little jarring. It was. Yeah. Like you just Uh, punched her in the mouth. Okay. Let's just get used to this. Yeah. Um, so triple H ends up outside. China takes a Bronco buster. X-Pac. Yeah. Finally Shane hits X-Pac from behind and he ends up chasing him to the back. So he's gone. Triple H goes for a pedigree on Kane, but he ends up taking a choke slam. Tim White is like chasing X-Pac. So he's gone. Yes, gone. Yeah. And he took forever. So uh, I think well, I mean, he was wounded. He had to run the from the Mississippi River like seven years. back to the arena. Give the man a break. Right. Yeah, right, right. Well, they didn't have uh, Charles Robinson back there to do all the running. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good point. Um, so I think Kane rolled China onto Triple H. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Triple H was down for like a 15 count by the time Tim White got back in, counted three, Kane and China win. Yeah. It's exactly how this match should have gone. Yeah, right. I Considering mean, what happened at 15, mm-hmm. that's how this match had to go. Totally. It was a great match. I loved this it match. It really was. This, to me, is when the show really started to pick up. Okay, gotcha. So you have this one, not two matches previous. No, and actually, I forgot to mention, I took a nap after the Shamrock match because it almost put me to sleep. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm not kidding. It's true. <laughs> That's how I've dropped deuces during matches we've been reviewing, so it's okay. <laughs> Not, I'll just listen to it through the door. Nice change of pace, I guess. <laughs> well, I'm home alone for the weekend. I can drop a deuce with the door open. <laughs> uh, Moving on. Isn't that in the Sinead O'Connor song? 
Drop a deuce with the door open? Or Alanis Morissette, something like that. I think it's Alanis Morissette, yeah. Drop a deuce with the, with the door open, yeah. Yeah, get head in the theater and shit with the door open. <laughs> I think that reached number two in the billboards. <laughs> there is a video package for... Uh, stupid show. And we... It was your idea. And we surpassed 100 episodes, a uh, legendary number. Uh, yeah, this is like 104 or something, I think. Who are the real drunkards, us or the listeners? <laughs> yeah. Who was it the other day? Uh, like, there was a typo. Uh, we... There's a bunch of lesions from this episode. I think it was oh. supposed to say, le- I'm guessing lessons, but maybe lessons. maybe we do cause lesions. I don't know. History lesions. I forget who that was. Rockin' Mankind, uh, sh- once again, showing that backstage segment. Bob Backlund and Iron Sheik were with uh, Mankind during that attack. And Dominic Which- Danucci. Oh, I didn't see Danucci. I missed Sheik and Backlund until the second time around. Um, but I didn't. I didn't see Danucci. I didn't catch that. Yeah, Sheik was like cheering mankind up the stairs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. But uh, no, I saw him. I didn't see Danucci. Yeah. Uh, apparently, there have been uh, not apparently there. Oh, Danucci trains mankind. Correct. That's why he was there. It just fucking occurred to me. I was like, why would Danucci be there of all people? He trained him. Got it. Okay. There have been several back and forth matches between Rock and Mankind, which includes. An I quit match with a botched uh, recording, or not botched recording, with a botched. planted uh, recording to set there up go. Uh, the halftime heat, and there's more. Uh, but that is the segue into this a last man standing match for the WWF Championship The Rock versus the Champion Mankind. The Rock was in his sweatpants and sweatshirt the whole match. So was it, and he had started doing that for a while. I had heard he had surgery on his stomach or something. And so they were trying to hard, hide scars. Oh, it was his tits when he got his tits done? Or maybe it was his tits. Okay, it yeah. wasn't his stomach, he it had, was his tits. I, yeah. yeah, I think he had liposuction on his titties. That's what it was. And that's why, because he went like three or four months, I think, wearing this outfit in the ring. Never even occurred to me that that's why he did that. I knew he had that done, but I didn't um, put two and two together that he had it done at that time. And that's why he was wearing the... Uh, Tracksuit. It was just right because inter- at WrestleMania he was in his regular uh, wrestling gear. Yeah, I think but he was at Survivor Series too. I think but so. This would be. I wonder if he got it done like right after Survivor Series or something. It would have been right after Survivor Series, okay. yeah, and then it would have run through February, and then come WrestleMania 15, he was good to go. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I forgot he 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 had his tits done. Yep, he did have his tits done. Yeah, by a better doctor than Charlotte. <laughs> Um, it was kind of a weird way to start the match. Mick Foley turns his back to The Rock. Like, come hit me. And The Rock hits him, and I'm like, is he trying to lure him into something? And then he does it again? It was kind of weird. Yeah, that was strange. But, but I liked it, you know. It's every Whenever Mankind did something weird, it was cool. It's because he, he enjoys... Really need an explanation for it because he's a fucking weirdo. He enjoys pain, so... Yeah. Um, so Cole not, says that... Oh, sorry. Oh, Cole says that Mankind had his knee dislocated earlier by that beer keg. Hmm. I'm calling bullshit. I've, no had, way, I've dislocated my knee. You're not standing that day. You're not standing for the next fucking week without crutches or something. Right, right. Yeah. So I didn't have my, that knew anything about injuries knew that was bullshit. Right. I didn't have my knee dislocated by a beer keg, but it was by a bottle of Jaeger because I was pretty fucking drunk at the time it happened. <laughs> Indirectly by a bottle of yeah. Jaeger. So pretty quickly they fight up to the um, 
entrance. Did you notice there was a gargoyle on the um, not set, in, like on those? Not until those they bars, zoomed in on it. Why the fuck was there a gargoyle there on Valentine's Day? Good question. Dude. Like, shouldn't there be like a little Cupid or something? Unless you would, think. unless that's their depiction of Cupid. Yeah. Like, if it's a massacre, <laughs> it's evil looking. Yeah, he's yeah, he's evil and has wings. Yeah, it was weird. It was really weird. Um. Mick ends up hitting his head on it really fucking hard. Then he takes a DDT through a table onto the floor. And I was like, and then they fight. I was like, again, they're fighting into the arena. So again, the crowd can barely see him. And I was like, right. Fucking, you know, it's just weird. And it was like, they, we've already had that. So like, we're doing it again. But it was more reason but not to more do that stakes. earlier in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but back it makes more sense in this match. It's the last man standing. So, yes, it will spill to the outside. Right. The hardcore match could have stayed in the ring and they could have hit each other with shit. Yes. Because exactly. all they did anyway, they didn't really even use the outside other than the fucking payphone. Right. And, oh, well, I guess the river. Well, yeah. And the fence that was conveniently placed there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The loose piece of fencing. Um, the, <laughs> the Rock ends up tossing Cole from the table to do commentary on his own match. <laughs> which this is when he was doing that. He, he was doing this for a, a few weeks before this. And um, th yeah, this is when it was like, you're not quite peak rock, but you're getting near the peak of the rock being a fucking asshole. Right. But smart fans that were watching back then, you know, I'm speaking highly of you and myself, Eddie. Yes. We knew that the rock had it. Yeah. You could clearly see it when he made that heel turn from the baby face. Right. There was just something about him. And then he started yeah. having these types of matches where he'd get on commentary or he'd bring a microphone into the ring and start jibber-jabbering. And just, you knew he just had it. Right. And he totally showed it in this match several times. Oh, totally. Um, so while he's doing commentary, Mick Foley, di or Mankind, dives on him and punches the fucking shit out of him. Then he goes for the he's apron from him. the... Yeah. <laughs> then he goes, from, goes for the elbow from the apron and Earl's telling him no. Like, don't do that move in this yeah. last man standing match. Yeah, as anything goes, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really get it. It was really weird. Um, and then, uh, fuck, what happened after that? Man, mankind takes a backdrop off the table, and his leg hits the bell table, his head hits the fucking yeah. house table, which was fucking fucked. that was harsh, dude. Yeah, and I think he'd already taken a shot to the leg with a chair before that, so now he's yes. selling the leg. And then I, th yep. then I think it was like while he was down from that, Rock drops the steps onto him, and the way it angles off on the drop, it, it sharp edge hits him. The edge hits him right Fuck. on the fucking hip. And I was like, that. I wonder if that's why he's had hip problems. I'm sure that elbow off the apron is a big part of it too, but this this didn't fucking help. No, and that was from the inside of the ring mm -hmm. to the outside of the ring. Rock just drew, straight up dropped the steel steps on top of him. And as Adam mentioned, the corner hit him right on the hip. Yeah. Do there's there, How do you take that move without... Like, there was no protection. Those are fucking heavy-ass steel steps. No, that's just a real move. You know what I mean? You just get hit with steps on the hip. Man, you just can't teach that at home. You know what I'm saying? You yeah, just, yeah. You can't teach that. Mm -hmm. The only thing they do teach you at home is don't try this at home. Don't try yes. this at home. Yeah. Try it at someone else's um, house. So then The Rock gets the mic inside the ring and starts singing the fucking Elvis song. And this is what I'm talking about. He just has it like he's a heel at this point. He is fucking leaning into it. He's in the ring talking shit on a it, microphone. Adding new levels to, the crowd. to just a match. No one's ever yeah. been this much of a prick. No, dude. No, right. he's taking it next level. Yeah, he's just like, fuck everyone. Yeah, it was, it was, 
It was so good. <laughs> it was just The Rock being The Rock. And it when was he the rock was being a the heel, rock. Yeah. yeah, he was a fucking asshole, and you loved him for it. Right. While he's doing it, um, Mankind hits a mandible claw, and they kind of bump Earl out of the ring. Yep. He puts The Rock to sleep. He goes to get Earl, but The Rock gets up and hits him at, uh, in the mailbox. Oh, yeah. On that, on that first mandible claw, like, he's still holding the mic, and you can hear him moaning from, yeah. from that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so Mankind puts on Socko, takes a rock bottom. They both get counted. And at this point, I'm like, I don't know who wins this match. I don't really remember anything about this I match. I don't remember. And I can't tell from watching it where it's going to go. Like, this is, I'm fucking hooked. I'm totally drawn in on this whole thing. Then we get, they both hit each other with a chair at the same time, like a double chair shot. You know, they hit each other. And uh, we get a double count out. It was like that scene in Step Brothers. <laughs> where they both knocked the, each other the out. The baseball bats and... Oh, did they shit. both have baseball bats or... They uh, both had baseball yeah. bats. So they both knocked each other out with baseball bats. That's where they drew the Mary, inspiration for that scene is from this match. Mary Steenburgen yelling, What the fuck? What the shit. fuck? <laughs> um, and the crowd chants bullshit. Bull. And I feel yeah. for him. And then my favorite part of the match is paramedics and Tony Gurria come to help them. <laughs> Did you do a shot? Oh, yeah, shot. shot. Right <laughs> what I love, too, is when they're putting the guys on the gurney, they're all super careful with the rock. Like, they mm -hmm. put the neck brace on him. They gently place him on the stretcher. They strap him down. They take him back. They're comforting him. Mick Foley is basically thrown on the gurney. No neck brace, no straps. They kind of push him with their foot. He's hurriedly, <laughs> basically kick the gurney to the back to the ambulance, dump him inside and send him on his way. He got the, yeah. <laughs> he got the ambulance um, that uh, would later on become Spirit Airlines treatment there. <laughs> <laughs> One little detail I loved about this part, though, was Mick Foley had his, um, his hands up when they're putting him in the ambulance. He's wiggling his fingers. And it was like it. He sort of. It was sort of like he was seeing if his hands worked. You know what I mean? Like, did I get a neck injury? Ah, you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, and it was a little. The commentators didn't mention it or anything, but I noticed it as they were putting him in there. He just has his hands up. It's kind of wiggling his fingers, like to make sure they still work. That's Which a I fully thought, thing to do too. Like just it, giving that attention to detail. Right. Just really thinking about what you know, how bad of a match that was on his body. So I thought yeah. that was really cool. Um, yeah. I love. I want to point out the Rock just loved hitting mankind with chairs. He fucking loved it, dude. Oh, it's his favorite. Oh, yeah. It's his favorite thing in life. It's acting, followed closely by hitting mankind with chairs. Uh, he made his daughter cry a month yeah. before this. Yes, he did. Uh, there was that one part, uh, still backtracking into the match, he swings the chair, bounces off the rope, and he hits himself in the head. I Immediately, I thought, yeah. that was such a Three Stooges moment. <laughs> <laughs> it was also a Kevin Owens versus Steve Austin moment from this past year's WrestleMania. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I love this match. This was so their feud from it started at Survivor Series and went till till now. This is their as far as I know it's their last match, but I don't remember. Um, well, no, because know. there's one more to set up WrestleMania. But is there or does Mick Foley get? I don't know. I don't know. Does Mick Foley get stripped of the title? I don't know. Um, I'm probably gonna watch the next Raw after we're done recording today because I don't know where this is going. I forgot. You know, um, I love this feud. This is probably my favorite feud that either of these guys were involved in. Or, no, no, Austin and Rock was better. But, um, and I love this match. And this is probably the best, my favorite last man standing match. Because I don't really love last man standing matches. Generally, I think they kind of suck. This one was awesome. And it was my favorite one of them. 
It was really good, dude. Yeah, yeah. This, this match was incredible. Like you said, you don't remember who won. Mm-hmm. So when you're watching it, you're like, oh, fuck, now I need to know. Like, who did win this match? Yeah, totally. Okay, moving on. We got one more match to go. Into... Oh, so there's a video package for Austin and McMahon. And after that setup, I have never... In which they play Ode to Joy during it. <laughs> Weird. For some reason. I'm just splurging on all these music rights, I guess. Uh, I have never seen an old-style cage constructed the way that they were presenting it to be. It's kind of cool, right? Yeah. The way they're, you can see them building it. That was cool. Like yeah. I, I, at what point did they? Oh, never mind. I don't want to spoil anything. You guys me. talk about the cage while I pee. Oh, lucky. Yeah. Okay. I, I would have thought it would be similar to what they have now. It's like pre-assembled, just raise it up. But no, it totally makes sense that maybe the technology or like the, the hoists were not common or set up for that in some arenas. Yeah, where to now is where like they lower it over the ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back then it was just strictly but, manual labor. But it made you're putting the yeah. But it made me wonder because uh, they had that shitty cage that they lowered in WCW. I just wouldn't <laughs> have. I just would have thought WWE if they could lower a cage, they could do something upright. But either way, it, it just looked cool. Well, I would need to go because at WrestleMania 15 they had Undertaker versus Bossman in a cage. I want to go watch that now to see. And if we're going to review that episode, that's even better because then I can kind of familiarize myself with it. What are but we reviewing? Did, uh, WrestleMania 15, when Bossman and The Undertaker had their cage match, was the cage lowered to the ring or did they assemble it on the fly like they did in this match? I want to say, you know what? That might be the first time they lowered it. I want to say it was because at the end of the match, they raised it, which would make sense that they already mm-hmm. had it on some sort of device that could raise and lower it. Right. Have you seen that show, Adam? Uh, I think I've only watched uh, Austin and the Rock only because I heard that Austin, it's Austin and the Rock. What? It's because it's Austin and the Rock. Well, yeah, and plus I heard that uh, Austin forgot his vest, so I guess that's what lured me in, and then I ended up watching see Austin that. without a vest. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but the rest of the we'll show, defi- I we'll definitely yeah. do that show. I mean, my goal is to do all the WrestleManias. I want to do all the WrestleManias, and I want to do all the um, ECWs. I hope I live long enough. Me too. Like, well, we're just, we just did episode 100, and we've kind of talked about who knows how long we're going to keep going, but as long as people keep listening and we can keep schedule-wise doing it, like, I don't see any reason to stop. And maybe so, if you guys buy shirts, we can keep this thing going. <laughs> yeah, maybe someday. We'll, well, we have sort of potential possibly to make some kind of money off of this, and I still haven't gotten an email from someone, so. Hmm. We'll see if that's happening. And but my balls are nice and smooth in the interim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and if I don't get an email back, maybe some some uh, company might be getting buried in a couple weeks. We shall see. <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a mound of pubic hair. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Our, Everyone knows exactly what you're talking about, too. <laughs> no, they don't. They're drunk like us. Yeah, right. The, ma- All right, the main event of the night is a steel cage match between Stone Cold Steve Austin and Mr. McMahon. This is for a spot in uh, the WrestleMania main event. Well, it's not for a spot. If Austin loses, he loses his title shot. Yeah, because he he just randomly threw him back in. That's right, because... So the setup is that uh, Vince won the Rumble, but he... Oh, that's right, Vince won the Rumble. But he vacated his spot, and because he vacated his spot, it was stated that 
oh, since the winner uh, doesn't uh, isn't able to be in the main event, runner-up takes it. So it's Austin. So okay, that makes sense. This was for this was for Austin protecting his newly acquired spot. Right. Okay. Yes, that HBK just basically handed him. And I also want to point out. Vince is 53 years old going into this match. And he's probably bigger than anyone on the roster at this point. Maybe Shamrock is right there with him, but he's bigger than Triple H because this is before Triple H got huge. I mean, he looks way better than me, and I'm 48. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm only 29, and fucking looks way better than me. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, he's in insane shape. He looks like he's fucking like a cyborg or something. He's like a Terminator. Oh, it's insane, yeah. Yeah. Um, Vince says that if any corporation member interferes, they'll be fired. Right. So that's kind of, and that was his own stipulation. He was like, nope, I'm going to beat Austin on my own. So um, now you have it down to a one-on-one inside of a cage. Exactly. Yeah. So Vince is stalling getting in. Austin tries to chase him and Vince won't go in. This is um, a screw job uh, treatment. It takes forever for the actual match to take place. Yes. Yeah. And they end up on top of the cage. It's just a bunch of chasing one around. One in, one out. Changing. Um, yeah, so Vince gets in while Austin's out. Austin tries to climb in, jumps off the cage, and tweaks his knee or his ankle. Vince comes out to work on him because he's like, cool, he's hurt. And then Austin was playing possum and fucks his shit right up. Bates him in. It was yeah. great. Yeah, it was. It was so good. And the crowd is on fire for this because this is what we've been waiting for almost a year for this. Yeah, and this is... I mean, you talk about your all-time feuds in WWE. This has to be... If it's not your number one, this has to be at least in your top five. Yeah. Yeah. And imagine a, uh, a paper... Or imagine a mat or a, an angle that has like a... Now, you know, because this is when they were doing 12 pay-per-views a year. Because back in the day, you'd have feuds go for a year constantly because you'd only have four big shows a year. Right. But now they're doing 12 and it took 10, 11 months for the payoff to it. And it was great every week. They just... It's just such good writing. So, because this started at that Raw in Fresno, right? Where Tyson came out? I mean, I guess technically, yeah. Right. I so guess, this yeah, would I guess have been right. since February of 98. January. January. That was the day after the Rumble. Okay. January of 98 to this February show, 99? February of 99. So you're right. It's not 11 months. It's 13 months. Yeah. So this is, like you said, a long time coming. And really, like WCW with Sting and Hogan, they had a long-term build. This definitely had a long-term build. And like I said, if this doesn't rank up there, like this could have really been the thing that swung the Attitude Era into that number one spot over it was. WCW. It was. So going back a couple weeks, uh, Mankind winning the title, that was, you know, the whole thing where everyone changed channels. Everyone fucking, changed channels, right. That was the, um, WCW, WCW never won the ratings again after that night. Right. So from that point on, it was WWE for the next two, just over two years. Um, but yeah, this was, but it. For, I think they had a, Vince and Stone Cold had a match or a fight or something, a confrontation, um, not long after 18. And that was the first time in the 83 weeks or whatever it was that WWE had one. Then they'd gone back and forth, but it was absolutely disputed. It was Vince and Stone Cold. And Vince just spent a year figuring out different ways to fuck with the guy. Without, yeah. without doing a cage match with them. You know what I mean? Without yeah, getting yeah. coming to this, they were like, we're, no, we're going to hold off on that. They milked the shit out of this. And not to take anything away from what Foley did, but without Austin and McMahon, like who doesn't dream about wanting to beat the shit out of their boss? Right? Uh, like it was such an organic build 
Like, and it just, it leaned into that every man thing where you just, you, you fucking hate your boss. Totally. He does some bullshit. You want to fight against him. That was happening live on your television every Monday. It was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. perfect. And then now here is, and it's funny because Cole was like, this could be when he was talking about uh, rock and mankind, this could be the greatest feud in WWE history ever. And Lawler immediately was like, Austin McMahon. Mm-hmm. And Cole was like, oh, I said, maybe. Right, but, right, right. Yeah, this was definitely better than than Mankind and Rock. This leaned into that every man that was sitting in the crowd that fucking hates his boss, hates his job, wanted to see this match, wanted to see the man give it to his boss. Totally. That was this match. This was a great payoff to that feud. And it wasn't even the end of it. That was the best part. Right, right. It kept going for a it long totally fucking time. Long yep. time. And it wasn't even that they were milking it. They just kept coming up with good stuff for it. They didn't right. need to milk it. It never got stale. It was like the wall in, um, or the, you know, winter is coming in uh, Game of Thrones. Like it goes on and on and on. And you're waiting for it, but you're enjoying every week that it gets put off. Right. You right. know what I mean? Like it never, you never get like to the point where you're like, well, just can we just fucking do it? Yeah. Just you know fucking I mean? get like, the payoff already. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so they're just brawling outside. Um, <laughs> Stone Cold hits Vince in the head with a little fan from the announce desk. <laughs> and Michael Cole said Vince's only fan hit him in the head. And I was like, oh, Michael Cole said something clever once. <laughs> uh, Stone Cold I totally Sh- missed that. I yeah, didn't was catch great. Michael Cole's most clever joke. Yeah. Um, yeah, he peaked in 1999. <laughs> um, Stone Cold's choking him with cables. He takes him into the crowd. And I was like, oh, because I looked at the time on the show and I was like, there's like 25 minutes left. How do they have a 25-minute cage match? This is how they go through all this shit. Take him out of yep. the crowd. Um, and I was like, there we go. Match three, leaving the fucking ringside area. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go again. Yeah. Um, they go back to the ring. Vince tries to climb in. Austin stops him. And he's like, at this point, he doesn't seem like really interested in starting the match. He's like, I just want to kill this motherfucker. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like you have a steel cage match that's your main event. And you still have not yet had both guys inside the steel cage. Everything's been outside the ring. And we're 10 minutes in at this point. Exactly. And yeah. all it's been is punches and kicks and the place is on fire. Dude, you know, I've often often thought, okay, who was the bigger star? Was it Austin or was it Hogan? Mm-hmm. Right? Who had the bigger boom in wrestling? Because both guys started a renaissance in wrestling. Yeah. Was it Austin or was it Hogan? After watching this match, I'm not a hundred. I've always said it was Hogan. Right. I'm not a hundred percent convinced anymore. You watch this match. That crowd was so into what Austin was doing. They were so invested in his character. I don't know that Hogan was the number one boom in wrestling ever. Right. I really, after watching this match, I really don't know that it was Hogan anymore. That might be a podcast. It could be. It yeah. could be. And Maybe we'd we have to do start breaking down numbers and whatever. But dude, the crowd was so invested in Austin. Yeah. Um, so then we go to the top of the cage. Vince is trying to climb in. Austin's inside hitting Vince. Vince falls off the table or falls off the cage, lands on the announce table. I'm surprised he even made it that far, you know, with his jump off the cage. Cause that was a Vince hell of a exactly, jump. Yeah. He I was mean, gauging it though. You could see him looking back. Like he was yeah. gauging it. He's like, let's go a little bit higher. I need to get that clearance. Right. Right. And he hits that fucking table and he hits right on the edge of it. And it doesn't break immediately. It's like he yeah. hits it bounces and then it breaks. Yep. And his head snaps back so fucking hard, dude. Like he got like whiplash. Like he, his neck was probably fucked up after that. And again, he's 53. Mm-hmm. Dude, I walk like the penguin from Batman Returns getting up to take a piss every night. <laughs> I can't imagine what Vince felt like after this match because he's five years older than me at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. 
And I know how I am getting up in the middle of the night. Dude, he must have been so fucking sore the next day. After yeah. that ma- that match in that particular spot, that was crazy. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, and you can't see the um you can't see Hugo Savinovich fall, but I assume he fell slowly. Yeah. <laughs> I think he did. Yeah. <laughs> it was like in slow motion. Um so they put they they come out with a stretcher, they put Vince on the stretcher and Austin's inside. Uh, inside the cage still and Fink starts to announce that Austin won Austin takes the uh, the mic and says this is bullshit the match never started Literally. fuck yeah. that I'm beating this guy in a match and he chases the stretcher and I was very upset at this point because he flipped off Tony Gurria and then he sm- took the stretcher smashed it back <laughs> into the cage and hits Vince with the backboard from the fucking thing yeah. <laughs> by the way they didn't have Tony Gurria disrespect doesn't <laughs> Doesn't work. It doesn't fly on the show. No. They didn't have the good neck brace anymore. They just had the foam uh, roll for his neck. Yeah, the foam with the Velcro. Rock got the good uh, neck brace. They held (laughs) took care of him. They were very concerned. So he tosses Vince into the ring, and we're now 14 minutes into this segment. And finally the bell rings. And finally the bell rings. So there's 14 minutes of just fucking around. And uh, I'm out of drink, so I'm taking a sip of tequila out of the bottle. And the the crowd is, as Eddie mentioned earlier, the crowd was hot. The crowd is on fucking fire when that bell rings. Mm-hmm. Like, they are loving every single second of it. Every this. second of it, yeah. So, Austin just beats the shit out of him for, what was it, two minutes, three minutes? Well, you've heard the phrase, beating a dead horse. <laughs> that beating was this match. Horse. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Austin yeah, just beats the fuck out of him. Yeah, and he's like, fuck it, I'm going to leave. And he goes to leave, and Vince flips him off, and you're like, are you stupid? <laughs> he gets back in. Like yeah. one step away. <laughs> yeah, totally. Here more like, Just take your but step gets- and then go back in. <laughs> um, but, he, but when he gets back in, Vince hit, kicks uh, Stone Cold in the dick. Yep. And he goes to climb out, and Austin pulls him off, and he came down. It was a pretty big bump, the way Vince fell off that cage into the ring. Like, Vince took a beating. He really did, dude. And again, 53. Mm-hmm. That's no joke, dude. Like, you're 53 years old taking that kind of a beating? Yeah. Oh, man. Vince gave it all. And he's always said, I won't ask any superstar to do something that I wouldn't myself do. Right. And I, granted, this was in 1999, but he proved it in this match. He did, yeah. Um, he gets shot into the cage head first. He's busted open, and I'm yeah, not now he sure. Gets color. And I'm not sure that wasn't legit. I don't think it was legit. I mean, probably not. But he looked like he took the cage hard, and I don't think Vince is the kind of guy who knows how to take a shot to the cage. Well, he definitely doesn't know how to take a stunner. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did notice. I don't know if Austin's being extra careful to make sure Vince hears him when he's calling spots to him, or if it's because it's two guys with short hair. Um, and they can't use her hair to kind of cover it up, but you can see them call. You can see Austin calling spots to Vince a lot. Yeah, and that's okay. Like we know what to look for now, but I don't think we were looking for that shit in '99. Oh, I definitely didn't notice it then, and and, and I, I watch. You know, when I'm reviewing these for the pay per view, I watch them a little differently too. Sure. You know yeah. I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So now Austin climbs out, and Vince does the same thing again. Gets him back in. You know, flips him off. Austin gets back in, hits a stunner, and he's talking shit, and he's talking shit for a long time. And it's a close-up on the two of them. And it was kind of almost like, it was just really, it, it wasn't very Austin-y. You know what I mean? Like, normally he'll just right. get down and talk shit for a second. But after a minute, you realize why he's talking shit for so long and why we're on a close-up of the two. Because someone's doing something in the ring, and here comes Paul White through the ring. Yep. And Paul, Paul White, White, for anyone who doesn't know, I'm sure everybody knows, is Big Show. 
and this is the first time we've ever seen the big show in WWE. Yeah, because no member from the corporation could interfere. Paul right. White like, was not a member of the corporation he, at this point. Exactly, yeah. Um, so this was kind of crazy. Did you did you hear rumors back then that he was coming there? Because I looked it yeah. up. He had his he just got like jumped out of the NWO like three weeks before this. Yeah. And he signed his contract on the eighth. This is the fourteenth. So Yeah. Did you I know? did hear the rumors. Yeah, okay. I knew he was going to show up, dude. Okay, I don't remember if he did. I was on the internet at this point, obviously. Well, uh, let me say, I, I didn't know he was going to, I wasn't talking to Vince, but like based on what I was reading on like the dirt sheets, quote unquote, uh, I did see that Paul White was supposed to show up at this because he had been jumped out, his contract expired, he had signed a deal with WWE. So that was out he was going to show up at this show. So seeing him show up was not a huge surprise to me. Okay, okay. I was surprised. I didn't know it was coming. Oh, um, of course. Yeah. I was I was on the internet. Maybe I just read it and forgot or whatever the fuck. But I remember when it happened and this, this particular spot is why this was such a memorable pay-per-view for me. Of um, course. Because this is one of the greatest debuts in wrestling history, in my opinion. Uh, right. It was I would fucking totally awesome. That. Like he yeah. pull, he climbs out of the ring and attacks Stone Cold in the main event of a pay per view. It was crazy. Yeah. My question is, at what point did they put him under there? Uh, you know what, dude? They might have put him under there before the show started. I've heard different things about the way they do that. And I was at a show once. I forget who it was, but someone came came from out came out from under the ring during it was a TV show. During the commercials, the lights all went out and there was like a video on the screen and I was sitting somewhere where I could see them bring someone had a like a hoodie on or a hood over their face and ran down to the ring and disappeared under the ring. You okay. couldn't see who it was and they really misdirected your attention with the video. Got um, it. But I happened to see it. I don't know how many people in there did see it, but I saw it. So I knew someone was going to come out from under the ring. But I've also heard of situations where they put him under the ring before the show. Now, Adam and I were just at WrestleMania. I didn't see anything before the Johnny Knoxville match as far as someone being brought to the ring during the show. Okay. So Wee Man and Pontius might have been put under there before the show, you know, before they let anybody in the arena. I don't know. I just find um, it hard to believe that a, a guy seven feet in stature is staying underneath that ring for what? four hours because you have to get him under there before the crowd starts to be let in I mean it's very possible they brought him in right before this match I'm, like while they're I'm trying you to, know they could have done it while they're building the cage that's what I'm trying to wonder like maybe yeah. lights were down while maybe they had to do some special reinforcements to the ring before the cage could get assembled and then that's your drop off point I don't know or it could have been the same thing they show a video or dude they could have oh, had him come down videos, there like yeah. um, even yeah. when yeah I mean there's plenty of times they could have done it so I don't know you know I'll never when there know. were a lot of people out there coming and going when they were putting the cage up, like Adam said. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was while they were building the cage, they kind of just snuck. I don't know how you sneak in a seven foot giant, but, <laughs> you know, I think maybe you, you can only do it in the dark, I think. Yes, I agree. And like you said, maybe it was during a video package. They shut the lights off. They had a bunch of people running down the ring. Nobody noticed the seven footer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he gets out. He shoots Austin into the cage twice, and then he brings Vince over to talk shit to him. And I think during this, they were um, separating that panel of the cage because right after that, he picks him up. He picks Austin up like a baby. Yeah. Like completely off the ground, holding, he's got his arm under his legs and shit. Like Like he's going to rock him to sleep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he tosses him into the cage. The front panel, the panel facing the ramp swings open, uh, takes out the referee and Austin just drops off it and lands on the floor and wins the match. Yep. And I think the shit talking was probably Kyoto. I'm assuming Kyoto was over there separating part of the cage for that. That makes sense. Because That's why had, the camera was not on him. Yeah, because that part of the cage was secured because they. Um, that was the part where Vince climbed up at the beginning of the match. So that part of the, right. ma- the yes. cage was put together early on. So I think that's what it was. And I kind of think 
Kyoto didn't get out of the way of it in time. That's why he got taken out by it. But it added, <laughs> was so it great, added to that yeah. authenticity. It worked. Yeah. And it was, what a great fucking finish to a match. It was unbelievable. It yeah. was, like you said, an amazing debut for the big show. Mm-hmm. Vince came out looking amazing because at 53 years old, who the fuck is doing that kind of shit? Yeah. And then Austin wins. So obviously he comes out looking super strong. Right. So Sting. And it, and it sets up WrestleMania. What a match. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a great match. Awesome match. Um, overall, I did. It was like you said earlier. It started off as a really bad pay-per-view, but became a really good one by the end. Yes, it did. And like, that I was, guess I, that I was guess really I, indicative of the Attitude Era. Right. It was. Yeah, your undercard was usually bleh. Right. But then, hey, you got to stay tuned to the end because those last four or five matches, maybe three or four matches, they're going to be off the hook. Yeah, yeah, right. It was really, I loved it overall. I would give the pay-per-view a B, I guess, overall because of the weak undercard. But the yeah, la- later B minus so maybe good. because you know Midian, exactly. Yeah, and, and, and Blue Meanie's ass. <laughs> well, well, no, I'll give it extra points for that. <laughs> um, I had as my favorite match was Mankind of Rock Cage match was second, and actually the Shamrock and Velvetus match was my least favorite. Wow, because at least Goldust was over quickly. Wow, in the hardcore Midian match, you got a Bukaki spot. You know what I mean. <laughs> Extra points for Bukaki. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. I agree. Yeah. I also didn't realize In Your House went on for this long, if I didn't mention that before. No. When did that stop? Like, 2000? I don't fucking know. 99? I'll, I'll, I'll let you know, because I'm going to keep watching The Attitude Era. So, Fuck. Yeah. But, I, dude, I thought it stopped by, like, early... Well, I know No Way Out 98 was in your house. I would have thought that was, like, one of the last few, you know, like, kind of toward the end of it, but apparently not. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. And that's all I got to say about that pay-per-view. I think the only correction that I would have liked to have in this show was that after the actual end of the show, you, you uh, after fading to black, fade back up to see Al Snow still in wrapped up in chain link fence. <laughs> that would have been fucking great. Yeah. That's, a- <laughs> that's like a Marvel movie after credit yeah. scene. Yeah. You know, even if they'd done that before the match, you know, I, I understand you don't want to end with something other than awesome, but they could have just done that before the match even, you know, like come back to Oh it. yeah. Yeah. That's how they concluded the, the Ric Flair uh, banging uh, segment at Unforgiven <laughs> in the limo. Yeah. They went back to that yeah, a bunch of times. W- yeah. They finished that before the main event. Mm-hmm. You got an alligator walking up to Al Snow wrapped up in a cage. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, sushi. All right. <laughs> What'd you all think of this episode? We hope you enjoyed it. Please let us know on our social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Handle is wrestling underscore drunk. And when I say that, what'd you think of this pay-per-view? And what'd you think of our episode? Always let us know because it fills our ego. It gives us meaning Quick, to quickly life. Be- quickly before you take this completely home, Adam, um, I just got a tweet from DJ. It's a picture. I'm holding it up to the camera. It's a picture of a WCW magazine. It must have been the Christmas issue with PN News and Missy Hyatt dressed as Santa and I guess Mrs. Santa Claus. And he said, I feel, what did he say? I feel this issue was printed just for drunk wrestling history. Oh, can you hold that up again? <laughs> <laughs> Could only be better if Missy Hyatt was replaced by Van Hammer. Oh, yeah. Totally. That's an elf. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, All right, go also, ahead uh, remember to uh, tell your family, tell your friends, coworkers, strangers, enemies, heels, 
about our show. Tell them to like, share, sub smash that subscribe button, and uh, tell them to buy a fucking shirt. Uh, yeah, that takes care of it. On behalf of Scott and Eddie, I'm Adam, reminding all of you to please stay safe, enjoy buzz, watch wrestling responsibly, drink like nobody's watching, like Eddie this weekend. We will see you all yeah. next time. Scott, we may need to check in on Eddie during the weekend. I'll text okay. him. I have yeah. his information. You have his info? Awesome. <laughs> yeah, send someone over here. Yeah, if... Let, let's see. We'll, we'll send a pizza over there on top of the one that he has. <laughs> if it's still there, then we've got to break that door in. <laughs> I'm gonna order him a flashlight. <laughs> oh, yeah, if I don't answer, if I don't if, answer the door for the flashlight, you know I'm dead. If the, exactly. If the windows aren't white by uh, tw twelve hours later, then never mind. We'll see y'all next time. One, two, three. Fast pro shops. Dive. Small package. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>